0: Welcome and thank you for tuning into this week's life-changing message from the Equipping Church. We pray you are empowered and encouraged by the Word of God. Hallelujah. Well, so so glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen? It's good to be in His presence and worship the King of Kings. And I'm telling you that I'm anticipating uh, some great things this year. We've already seen some great things, and I think the best is still yet to come. I want to begin a new series this morning uh, titled, One Word, Pray. Pray. That's the title of this next series that I'm going to cover for the next several weeks. Um, And as I was just kind of in my my time with the Lord this week, uh, a couple Wednesdays ago, uh, so I guess it's been about two weeks, um, during intercession on Wednesday night, which if you haven't been to a a corporate intercession on a Wednesday night, I highly encourage it. Uh, It's a great time of prayer. It's a great time of unity as we... Uh, let God lead us into the things that He wants us to pray for. Uh, but a couple Wednesdays ago, I was uh, prophesying uh, over this house on a Wednesday night that March was a month of marching forward in intercession. It was a month of prayer because April was going to cause us to to cross over a threshold as a church. Now I don't I don't fully have that all fleshed out yet. I don't know what it all means yet. Still still praying into it. But as I was thinking about the month of March and, and praying and intercession, I just really felt prompted of the Lord to spend the next several weeks talking about prayer. Prayer is uh, one of the foundational elements of Christianity. It's a foundational element. Folks that don't consider themselves a Christian and have no intention of ever embracing Christ know that prayer is a basic tenet of Christianity. You, you can find people all the time that say, Ah, you pray. I don't believe in prayer. Prayer is for weak people. I had an atheist friend who's no longer an atheist, got radically born again. He used to say to me all the time, I'll never pray. Now prays in tongues and prays in English and prays all the time. But he viewed prayer as, as a weak link. But we say it often around here that prayer is the engine of the church. Or prayer can even be said to be the engine of the believer. Prayer is foundational for us. And one man said, of all the duties enjoined by Christianity, none is more essential and yet more neglected than prayer. None is more essential, yet none more neglected than prayer. A relationship with Christ minus prayer is trying to grow wheat without planting seed. Did you hear me this morning? Trying to be a Christian without prayer is trying to grow wheat without ever planting the seed. It's like trying to build a house without a foundation. It's trying to drive a car without an engine. Prayer is so essential. And when I talk to people, most people I talk to fall into one or two categories when it comes to developing a prayer life. Number one, they're confused or number 2 they're frustrated. Anyone ever felt like you fall into one of those categories when it comes to prayer? Confused or frustrated. You're like I, I I don't know where to start when it comes to prayer. I don't I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to spend hours in prayer. What do I do? They're confused on how to pray. The mechanics of prayer baffles them. <clears throat> they find themselves <clears throat> excuse me, stumbling around with seemingly no ability to communicate or to listen. Frustration results from silence. Anyone ever felt frustrated when praying? You are amazing. Thank you. Anyone ever felt frustrated when praying because you feel like you hear nothing? Anyone ever been like that? Ever had those moments where you're praying and praying and praying and you're like, you ain't talking. Why do I do this? I feel like I'm talking to the wall. Anyone ever felt like that? I've had this issue with my phone over the last, I don't know, three weeks, I cannot complete a call without it dropping the call. I, I mean, literally, you can ask Anna, she'll call me five or six times to complete what should be a three-minute conversation. Many times, I'm like, just text me. Like, it's, it's not going to work. Took it into to the store yesterday, and they said, oh, this is what's wrong with your phone. We'll fix it. It's worse. Literally can't. I mean, I'm amazed it's connected to Wi-Fi. It wouldn't find Wi-Fi signals. It wouldn't do any of that. Anyone ever felt like your prayer life was like that? You're you're trying to connect to God and the signal just keeps dropping. Like, can't find the Wi-Fi, can't can't get reception. You could be right near the tower and it's like, nope. You come to church and you're like, man, all these people seem to be so engaged with God and I just don't connect. All these people seem to just have it and I don't have it. Anyone ever felt like that? I've felt like, I've stood on the front row on a Sunday morning and felt like that. Getting ready to preach, going, God, God. Um, are you still real? Because uh, I'm not feeling anything right now. Uh, somewhere it got unplugged. And so over the next several weeks, I, I want to talk about prayer and, and see if we can't move past some of the confusion and frustration with some peeks into Scripture that may assist. And I want to start this morning with one of the most revealing prayer meetings ever recorded in Scripture. In fact, it is the last protracted pull-away prayer session that Jesus has on earth. The last one recorded. It's also a time of prayer that reveals some important things regarding the intimacy of prayer. And if I had to give a subtopic this morning to the title, it would be the intimacy of prayer. So our, our, our series is Pray. This morning I want to talk about the intimacy of prayer. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14 I'm going to read it first out of the New American Standard, and then I'm going to go to the Message Bible because I like the way uh, some of it is, is phrased there. Now, I, I teach in post-encounter, and I teach often when I'm teaching Bible studies. I like the way the Message Bible uh, communicates some things. I wouldn't use it as your study Bible. It's a great commentary uh, written by Eugene Peterson. Uh, it, it, a lot of the translation is lost uh, when we're looking at the message Bible. So when I use it, I'm using it uh, more loosely than, than a direct translation. So I, I wanted to clear because someone asked me a few weeks ago, why did you use the message Bible? Well, that's why. So verse 32, they came to a place called Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, "Sit here until I have prayed." And he took with him Peter and James and John and to begin, and began to be very distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. And he went a little beyond them and fell to the ground and began to pray that if it were possible, the hour might pass by him. And he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words out of the Message Bible. They came to an area called Gethsemane. Jesus told his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him. He plunged into a sinkhole of dreadful agony. He told them, I feel bad enough right now to die. Stay here and keep vigil with me. Going a little ahead, he fell to the ground and prayed for a way out. Papa, father, you can, can't you? Get me out of this. Take this cup away from me, but please, not what I want. What do you want? He came back and found them sound asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, you went to sleep on me. Can't you stick it out with me a single hour? Stay alert. Be in prayer so you don't enter the danger zone without even knowing it. Don't be naive. Part of you is eager, ready for anything in God, but another part is as lazy as an old dog sleeping by the fire. He then went back and prayed the same prayer. Returning, he again found them asleep. They simply couldn't keep their eyes open, and they didn't have a plausible excuse. I want to pray. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I thank you that it's alive, it's active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's able to pierce, it's able to separate. And I thank you, Father, that as your word goes forth this morning, that you would accomplish what you send it to do. That's what your word says, that your word doesn't return to you void. I pray, Father, this morning for the anointing that makes preaching easy. I pray, Father, that your words would pass across my lips and that, Father, when I pull my hands back, it'd be your handprint that's left, that there would be evidence that you have touched your people. I recognize my complete and total dependence on you this morning, God. Apart from you, I can do nothing, but in you I live and move and have my being. And I thank you for your word this morning in Jesus name. Amen. Moments before the most painful and horrendous hours of his life, Jesus takes time to pray. I mean if there is intimacy revealed it's here. It's in these moments he he he's aware of what's about to happen. He's aware of the scourging that's about to take place. He's aware of the death that he's about to experience. And he takes time to pray the most famous and off painted scene of Jesus kneeling by the rock in the garden. Anyone ever seen that painting? He's kneeling there. He's in that place. And he's so burdened and overwhelmed that that what is about to happen that he begins to experience. And I'm going to butcher the the medical term hematrodosis. I think I said it right. Hematrodosis begins to take place. Literally, his sweat begins to turn to blood. He's so grieved. I mean, I do love the way that the Message Bible says that he, he, he falls into this sinkhole. I mean, there's this place of despair, this agony, this, this intense feeling as he's in the garden. And he's, he's so burdened in the garden because he knows what's about to happen. He knows that for the first time in his human life, he's about to be separated from the presence of God. I mean, here he was, 33, had walked in unbridled fellowship with the Father, and he knows that he's about to experience separation. Anyone ever experienced separation anxiety? You ever had that? You're like, man, I'm I'm going to be separate from what's familiar, something new. For Jesus, this was far beyond separation anxiety. This was the reality, the reality of what's about to happen. And I think that this scene, this 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 moment in Jesus's life teaches us three things about the intimacy of prayer that we must know here's the first one you are intimate with who you pray to you are intimate with who you pray to hear the intimacy of this phrase Papa Papa I love I love the Hebrew word a little bit more Abba Papa's always made me a little uncomfortable if I'm going to be real this morning I've known some people who, who say, Papa, and I don't think they're praying to the same God. Just to be real, I go, ah. Now, some people, it works well for them. For me, it's, I, I love Abba. But that the intimacy of that phrase, essentially, Daddy. You know, like a little kid who's hurt, the little kid who skins their knee, when Evie is screaming in the backyard because she's smashed her finger in the swing yet again. Daddy! That's the intimacy of this. There's something intimate about that phrase right there. He's saying, Father, Abba, Papa. Jesus, His prayer here reveals the relationship He had established with who He was praying to. He knew Him intimately. He was intimately acquainted with the Father. Those who know God the best are the richest and most powerful in prayer. Little acquaintance with God and strangeness and coldness to him make prayer a rare and feeble thing. Leonard Ravenhill. This is why prayer is so important. You can't become intimate with a God that you don't pray to. Prayer is so essential, church. And we're going to look at the mechanics of prayer over the next several weeks because some of you, I can tell, you're the deer in the headlights this morning saying, Pastor Jacob's telling me I'm going to need to go pray for three hours. It's Not what I'm saying this morning. As you develop a relationship, you develop the mechanics of the relationship. You begin to understand. But I, I want to establish this morning that that you have to be intimate with God. In fact, you can worship and not be intimate. People all around the world worship their false idols, but they're not intimate with those idols. You can give allegiance to something and still not know them. We What do we do often? I, I might... Roast some sacred religious American cows this morning. I don't say the Pledge of Allegiance. That—that's I honor the flag. I honor what our—I honor our country. I don't say it because I can't pledge allegiance to something I don't worship. That—that's my conviction. I'm not saying you need to follow that same conviction. I stand for it. I honor it. You're never going to find me dishonor our country. But when we pledge allegiance to something, we're giving worship to it. And if we we can worship something and not be intimate, I'm not intimate with the flag of the United States of America when I, when I worship it through my Pledge of Allegiance. I'm going to rock some sacred American cows there. I'm sorry this morning if you just got offended with me. Take it up with Jesus. But I think so often we say, oh, I love worship. I love worship. Do you love worship or do you love the song? Do you? Are you intimate with the one that you're worshiping or do you love the experience of worship? Do you love the goosebumps that certain lines and certain songs give you? Do you love the endorphins that are released through a good Pentecostal G chord? I had to lift the heaviness for a second there. I mean, you can go back to the story of Elijah at Mount Carmel and you see these fanatical worshipers. I mean, they're so fanatical trying to get their God to move. They're cutting themselves. They're chanting. They're, they're dancing. They're waving flags. They're, doing all, they're blowing shofars. They're doing all the things that look like intimate worship. And yet there's no response from the one that they're worshiping because there's no intimacy there. Number one, because their God couldn't respond. I love, there, there's a great uh, a children's series called Superbook. If you're an adult, just go watch it. It's great. The way that it tells the stories. I love the story of Elijah and Mount Carmel because Elijah says to the prophets of Baal, What? Is your God using the toilet? It's great. Go watch it. But, I mean, here they are. They, they're dancing. They're shouting. They're cutting themselves. They're showing their devotion. But there was no intimacy and Elijah, with no elaborate, no, no overt acts of worship and a 66-word prayer, presses into the heart and hands of God, and God responds with fire. Because Elijah had built intimacy up to that point. See, so many times we will face situations in our life where we need the display of God, but we haven't built up the intimacy up to that point. And so we cry out to God in these these desperate times. And we're like, God, I need you to move on our behalf. And because of His grace, He often does. I'm thankful for His grace this morning. But how much more powerful would the displays of God be if there was an intimacy behind the desperate cry? If there was an intimacy behind the desperate cry that rises out of the inside of us in those moments of desperation, this is why I say, church, we must pray. The time you spend in prayer will dictate your intimacy level with God. Although I do believe in set-aside moments of prayer, I also believe one of the most effective and missed types of prayer is the without-ceasing prayer. Anyone ever heard that phrase? Pray without ceasing. How in the world do I pray without stopping? Anyone ever wondered that? I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Daily, moment by moment, minute by minute, awareness and recognition of his presence that leads to constant conversation about the common things and complex things of life. People probably think I'm on the phone all the time in my car. Now, because we have Bluetooth, right? Back when we didn't have Bluetooth in the car, people probably thought I was schizophrenic. Because it is not uncommon to see me driving down the road. And they probably think that guy never stops talking to whoever's on the other line of the phone. And he probably looks a little mad. I'm wild-eyed in Houston traffic. Because I'm just trying to stay saved. But what I'm saying is this, is that without ceasing, is that we develop an intimacy in the secret place that we're just with him all the time. That we learn to be aware of his presence. I love the way Bill Johnson talks about carrying the dove on your shoulder. That everything, if we learn to walk with the dove on our shoulder, we're constantly aware of anything in our life that would disturb the presence of God around us. Changes what we watch, changes what we say, changes what we do, because we become aware that I have access. The veil was torn from top to bottom. He gave us access to His presence 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. We have access. Jesus practiced specific times of prayer. However, you also see the conversational relationship he had with the father when he's at the tomb of Lazarus. He simply talks to God as he hangs on the cross. He talks to God as he walks along a path. He talks to God. There were daily moments of intimacy, and I think too many of us run from prayer, discount the importance of prayer and separate prayer to a special class of people that we call prayer warriors because we're convinced that we can never become disciplined and a long secluded season of prayer. We become convinced that prayer is for the spiritual people. Well, listen, when you start to develop intimacy with the Father, you'll become one of those spiritual people. You'll be as crazy as Pastor Jacob. Come on, I need some more of you crazy people. So since we missed the prayer meeting, we assume I must not be a prayer warrior. And in the frustration, we miss the daily talks with God. And the truth is, God just wants to talk frequently and commonly throughout the day. He wants to whisper secrets to you in the middle of a board meeting. He wants to whisper secrets to you in the middle of class. He wants to whisper something in your ear when you're talking with someone at the bank. He wants to have relationship with you that is daily and is intimate. I say often, if I told my wife, hey, Let's talk at 10 o'clock on Sunday for 30 minutes. And then I'll see you next week. I would not have a wife if I didn't prioritize. Now, if you know anything about my, my personality, I'm a get it done type of person. Like I have a running to-do list that never stops in my head. It it, it might not be written down, but there's always something in there with all that's on my agenda. And so I, I have this... this issue where I'm like, okay, I need to get this done, get this done, get this done. And so on Saturday nights, my prayer time is here at the church for service on Sunday. Now I'm praying throughout the week. I'm spending time with the Lord. I'm talking to him daily, but I've set aside Saturday nights. That's my time. But I could see in my wife's eye last night, she needed to talk. There was something going on. And, and my flesh goes, it's after eight o'clock. I need to get to the church. I need to be with the Lord. I've got to get prepared for tomorrow. I don't know if I know my notes. I don't know if I can remember all my notes. I don't know if I know the scriptures that I'm using tomorrow, even though I have them written down. And I had to go, wait. Jacob, God will take care of that. Focus here. And so we sat and we talked, had some great time of conversation, diving into some matters of the heart. But how often in our busyness of life do we avoid those conversations with God? Hey, come talk to me. I, I, I want to talk through some heart things. I want to discuss those matters of the heart. And, and we avoid it because, honestly, we're afraid. There is a huge difference between the fear of the Lord and being afraid of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Being afraid of God is the beginning of distance. And when we learn to not be afraid of letting God into those areas, we actually begin to develop better intimacy with him. And that's what he's calling us to. He's calling us to. In your life, I want you to think about this this morning. Whom do you feel most intimate with? It'll be those whom you're in constant contact with. The person who calls and there's no need to ask, who is this? Because you're familiar with their voice back in the day before we had caller ID I you know when the phone would ring you'd pick up and you'd know who it was on the other line most often you didn't have to say who is this oh this is Aunt Aunt Billy I, I had an aunt Billy she lived in Oklahoma she was a good Methodist but I always knew her twang when I'd pick up the phone hello hi how you not how are you there was no R how you Oh hey Aunt Billy, how are you? I'm good. You still alive? Yes, Aunt Billy, I'm still alive. Good. Just wanna make sure you be blessed. Click. That was her call. About every three weeks. You still alive? Yep. How you? I didn't have caller ID, but I knew who it was. Hi every single time. Every single time. When I hear the father, Jacob, yes, I'm listening. Like Samuel, when we look at the story of Samuel, Samuel's lying down, Samuel, oh, Eli's calling. He recognized the authority, but didn't recognize the voice yet. There was an authority on it. Eli, I heard you call. It's not me, go lie down. You're dreaming. Samuel, Eli, you keep calling me. No, go lie down again. But this time, if you hear the voice again, say your servant's listening. We've got to learn to lean into the voice of the Lord, and we do that through prayer. We develop that lifestyle. The person, when we understand who it is, the person with whom it is unnecessary to stop conversation and give background information because they've been so intimately involved in your life that they already know that information. All I have to do with Anna is say so-and-so. She already knows where I'm headed because we're so intimately involved in the situation. I don't have to give a lot of background information, especially if I I mention certain family members who are probably going to watch, so I'm not going to say their name. Because when we're intimately involved with someone, the conversation is just a continuation of what you've already talked about. Each time Jesus returned to prayer after confronting his disciples, he simply hit the unpause button and picked up where he'd left off. We don't know what the father was saying to Jesus in those secret times. Man, I wish we did. I mean, it'd be incredible to read of those conversations. I think it'd make it a little easier on some of us. I'm like, God, why'd you choose to leave that out? I actually asked that question as I was studying this. It's like, God, why'd you leave those conversations out? He said, because I didn't want you to be a copycat. I want you to know me not just know about me. It's the invitation to intimacy, to know the Father, to know Him intimately. When we're intimate with someone, we understand that that there's just an unpause button. How often do we let what we should be, how often do we let what should be a pause button become a stop button because we aren't intimate enough to pick up where we left off? Are you in constant prayer to the point that you have a Papa, an Abba, a father, a first name basis, family level of intimacy with God? Or when you pray, does it feel like you have to start all over from the beginning? I need to get reacquainted with God again. God, I'm sorry I haven't talked to you in so long. I don't feel like I know you, but let's let's try again. And then what happens is, is the enemy goes, see, you don't know God. Why pray? Don't, Don't even try. It's not worth it. And so then we sink back, and then we get desperate again. We come back to God. It's like the addict who's trying to get free and goes to detox seven or eight times, but never follows the steps to really get free. Never really does the work to get free. Just wants the experience of being off of it for a little bit. If I can just get a couple days free of the drink, if I can get just a couple days free of the drugs, then then I'll be good again. And I have the strength to go back out. And within 24 hours, they're back on the drink and back on the drug. They're back in the addiction process again because they didn't work the steps to actually get free. And it's the same with prayer. As we come to God and we're like, God, I'm going to pray today. On Wednesday, at 7 o'clock because there's a prayer meeting. I'm going to come in and I'm going to blend in just a little bit and I might speak in tongues just a little bit so I look like I'm normal. And then I'm going to go back to my life and I'm going to pretend like you're not there till Sunday. I'm going to pretend like you're not there till the next prayer meeting. And so we don't develop that intimacy. And God is calling us as a church in this month of March. There's a challenge given to this house. Pray. There's a challenge given to you as the believer. Pray. Get in the secret place. Learn to develop unceasing prayer, communication, and and relevant talks with God. See, we should be so intimate with God that our prayers should simply be to be continued prayers. See, I think we often think of prayer in a more traditional sense of, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. And we get real religious And we think that we've got to kneel and we've got to cross our hands and close our eyes. And if you came out of any religious tradition at all, maybe you need a little necklace thing to pray with. Or maybe you need a little statue to rub with oil. I don't know. And so we come to prayer very religious. And God's saying, just talk to me. Just just communicate. Just have a conversation. That's all prayer is, is a conversation. Now, those of a Pentecostal background, prayer can often sound like a very intense conversation. When I pray, I can't help it. It's uh, Culture or whatever, personality, it, it sounds like that. It doesn't always sound like that. There's times I'm just in the car and it's just me talking to God. And then something will strike a chord and then watch out. Saliva everywhere. We should be so intimate with God that it's a never-ending conversation with Him. Your intimacy level is not determined by prayer meetings, but rather by lifestyle. Take God into your car, your job, your hobbies. You will know if you're as intimate with God as you should be when someone asks you, who were you talking to? I saw you in the car next to me talking to someone. Who were you talking to? Jesus. I was talking to Jesus. He and I were having a conversation about you. Here's the second point. You are intimate with who you pray for. First one is you are intimate with who you pray to. You are intimate with who you pray for. The truth is our prayer list reveals a good bit about us. It reveals who you're intimate with because if you're intimate with someone, you'll be compelled to pray for them. You will be so intimately acquainted with their needs, their pain, their concerns that you will pray for them. Your prayer list also reveals your heart and your compassion level. Do you only pray for you? I'm convinced that most of us spend too much time in prayer for me and mine and never move to a deeper place of which is you and yours. God, who do you want me to pray for? If you want to develop a deeper relationship with others, if you want to be connected, then begin praying for them. I remember years ago when I was going through, through uh, school of ministry, there was this particular person that I really, I, I just, I was like, I want to know this person. Like we'd get around each other. It was very, you know, cordial. But there, there was never this, there was always kind of a block there. And the Lord said, pray for them. And as I began to pray for them, the Lord began to speak to me some things about this person that no one else would have known was going on. And it wasn't so I could go gossip. A lot of prayer circles become gossip circles. Cut that out. Oh, I was praying for Sister Sally the other day, and you know what the Lord showed me? Stop that mess. And so I began to pray for this person. The Lord began to show me some inner things of their heart. And I said, God, what do I do with this information? Pray. So I prayed, and I prayed. One day, I'm in the coffee shop at the school, and I'm saying this person walks past me, turns back around, and says, You're Jacob, right? I said, Yeah. He goes, Can I sit with you? And I had my journal there, where I had all the notes of what the Lord had been showing me and speaking to me. And I said, What's up? He goes, Man, I'm just having a really tough day. And I said, That's interesting. He goes, Why? And I just opened my journal up, turned it around. And I said, Just read that. And the Lord had already given me all these things about that person's particular situation. I mean, down to details, down to names, down to dates, down, I mean, it was crazy accurate. And he just started weeping and weeping and weeping. How many coworkers do you have that if you would start praying for them, they might actually start opening up to you? How many family members that if you'd get into the place of prayer, you might actually be able to lead them into the Lord? If you would stop Talking and start praying. If you would stop judging and start praying. Because God's inviting you into intimacy and prayer. If you go back to Jesus' extended prayer, which he prayed moments before he went into the garden. If you go back, it reveals the intimacy he had with his disciples. Turn in John 17. John 17. I want to look at this prayer. And I forgot to put this one in there, Kendra. John 17. In some of your Bibles, it'll be labeled the high priestly prayer. It'll talk about the disciples in the world and their future glory. Out of 26 verses in John 17, Jesus spends 20 of them crying out to God for his disciples. He asks God to keep them. I mean, he says, but now I come to you in these things, verse 13. These things I speak in the world so that they may... Have my joy made full in themselves. I've given them your word. And the world has hated them, but they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. He's having a conversation with his Abba right here. Jesus is talking to his dad and he's saying this group of men, these messed up men, these fishermen, these untrained men, these men that have no qualifications really to do what I'm sending them to do. How many of us fit in that category? He says, as you sent me, I'm sending them. For their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they themselves may also be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on, my be- uh, on behalf of these alone, but for those who also believe in me through their word. Jesus was praying for you in John 17. 2,000 years later, we're living in the prayer of Jesus because we have believed him through the word of those first disciples. Through those early apostles, the word was spread throughout the earth and we became partakers of the divine nature because they were faithful to a call. But Jesus prayed for them before they ever fulfilled that call. And he was praying for you before you ever heard the gospel. He says that they may all be one, even as you, Father, and me and I and you, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you've given me, I've given to them that they may be one just as we are one. I and them and you and me and that they may be perfected in unity, that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you've loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me. For you love me before the foundation of the world. O righteous father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you and these have known you that you sent me. And I've made your name known to them and will make it known so that the love which you loved me may be in them and I in them. I mean, come on, somebody. He asked God to keep them, to give them joy, unity, that he will sanctify them. His intimacy with his disciples dominated his prayer. He's getting, to, he's getting ready to wrap up his earthly ministry. He's getting ready to wrap up that season Of his life, going to the cross. And what does he do? He spends time praying for them and for you. Because he wanted us to know him. He wanted us to be intimately acquainted with him. Whose needs dominate your prayers? Whose situation dominates your prayer? I challenge you to open up your prayer list. Lengthen it, broaden it, get so intimately involved in folks' lives that you can actually pray for what they need. Too many of our prayers are self-focused and therefore we have no intimacy with anyone else because we can't get past us. We get so stuck on us. So you gotta be intimate with the one you pray to. But those you pray for, you'll become intimate with. There, There are people that I may never know, but I feel like I know them because I've prayed for them. When Pastor Anna was going through her, her death experience in 2019, I was so amazed, so humbled. I'd have people come up to me in the grocery store. You're Pastor Jacob. Yeah, who are you? Like Honestly, I was in such a bad, it was so intense those 10 weeks. I, I couldn't focus on anything else. And so people would come up and they'd say, we're praying for your wife. We're praying for you. And I'd go, thank you. Like, I, I don't even know you. And they would say, well, we feel like we know you because we've been praying for you. When you pray for someone so intensely and so intimately, you feel like you know them. You find out about people across the world and you start praying for them and then you're looking for the Facebook update. What happened? I need to know. I, I want to know what happened. I pray for some of you and I'm like, I can't wait to hear. Okay, what's going on? Tell, give me some. De- give me the dirt. I want the dirt. Like, give me the details. Like, I need to know all the tea. Like, I don't even drink tea, but I need to know your tea. Like, I need to know. That's what happens when you pray for people. Here's the third point. You are intimate with who you pray with. I want you to stop and think about Jesus a second son of God ability to raise the dead he can discern hearts and even know the thoughts of men divinity in the flesh the word that created all things from the beginning and the word that will continue until the end and yet Jesus needed prayer partners Jesus wasn't content only to pray in isolation. He gives us a glimpse of his heart because he involves others in his prayer life. We look back at the passage. He says, pray here, pray for me. I need to pray, but I need you to pray with me. And even says to Simon, you couldn't even stay awake for an hour to pray. Like I've been with you for three years, knucklehead, like, come on. I used to, to travel with a particular minister. I won't mention his, their name. And I had an assignment that from the hour of three to five in the morning, if I was traveling with this person, I had to be up to pray. Because that was their prayer time. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to sleep. We wouldn't get out of service till like one in the morning sometimes. And now I want to go to bed. And at three o'clock, I'd get the text. Are you up? Yes, I'm up. Good. That's all they would say. Good. And I'd pray. And I'd start to drift asleep. And it was like they knew my phone would ring. What's the Lord speaking to you? Um, um, you were falling asleep. Pray. Click. Then I'd get a text. I'm calling you in 30 minutes. If you don't have the word of the Lord, go home. That's how strict this person was. He, he, They were crazy. They've gone on to be with the Lord now. So I'd have to get the word of the Lord in the next 30 minutes. The pressure was on. So I'd say, God, I'm so tired. Please show up. <laughs> and i get the word of the Lord, and they'd call back, and I'd say, this is the word of the Lord. That's the word of the Lord. You can go to bed. One time, that's not the word of the Lord. You have an extra hour of prayer duty. Hey, it trained me in intercession, okay? It's crazy and and militaristic as it was. Trained me in intercession. It's like working for a drill sergeant. But you know what? I became intimate because I prayed with that person. I remember I was part of an intercessory group. It's where I got my start in ministry, 10 years old. Pulled me into this intercessors group. They had a Bible college. So I was enrolled in their Bible college and their intercession group at 10 years of age. But there was something that would happen in that time of prayer together. There was an intimacy. I I I would know things that they would share, and I got the privilege of praying. That's why corporate prayer is so important because you get intimate with those you pray with, because you sacrifice time. That's why pre-service prayer is so important, because it's it's a time of corporately praying together. That's why you need to make some connections in this room and pray for each other. You want to build community, do it in prayer. You wanna build friendships that last, do it in prayer. Because I'm telling you, those you pray with become the people you're most intimate with. If Jesus needed people to pray with, what do you need? That's the million dollar question. If Jesus needed people to pray with, what do you need? People to pray with. I'm thankful that in your private prayer time, God shows up and miracles take place. I'm thankful you share those intimate moments with our maker and you're energized and you discover intimacy with him. However, Jesus shows us that we must also find intimacy with praying with others. You may grow very close to those you vacation with. You'll grow close to those you carpool with. You'll grow intimate with those you eat with. However, there is a supernatural bond that can only take place when you pray with someone. It is the people that you share needs with and pray with that this will be attached at a spirit level. You need that type of intimacy. This takes relationship to a death that cannot be achieved any other way. And let me tell you, it makes you vulnerable. And that's the scariest part. It's scary. Because you wonder, if I share this with them, are they going to pray? Let me tell you. I will use a strong word. I hate gossip. I hate gossip in prayer meetings. I used to be part of a prayer meeting and I, I got a, I said y'all ain't going to heaven. You're going to hell. I literally said I said you're going to hell. This is not a prayer meeting. This is a gossip circle and we ain't going to do it. Because there's a vulnerability in prayer. It's saying, here's where I'm at. Here's the things I'm believing God for. Let me trust you with my dreams for a second. Let me trust you with, with the innermost parts of my heart. That's a scary thing. But let me tell you, if you can learn to develop that intimacy in prayer with people. You are a spiritual force to be reckoned with. If one can put a 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. If you can learn to link arms with one another, if you can learn to pray with one another, When we learn to pray with someone else, it forces us to become transparent and real with that person. It moves us beyond surface relationship. Let me tell you, you can show up to this building every single week on time and never know people in this room. Because your intimacy level will only match your vulnerability level. If you run for the door every time the service is over, you ain't going to know people. And we are not called to be islands unto ourselves. We are the body. Some of us has different roles. I knew someone who say they're the big toe. I love a story Greg tells. There was a parking lot prophet in their church in California. And she would say, well, I'm the blood. I just flow everywhere God sends me. Pastor Mark said, you need to clot. Find a place and stick to it. Jesus is the blood. You ain't the blood. We need the body. When you take time to look someone in the eyes and say, what can I pray with you about? At that moment, intimacy is gained. Entrance is granted into each other's heart. Now, it has to be organic. We can't try and force it. But you need to do it. Who do you pray with? Who prays with you? Prayer is about intimacy. I'm going to close this morning. Prayer, if you will, is the basement of our life. It's the ground floor. It's the foundation for intimacy with God and each other. And I want to say to you this morning, you're intimate with who you pray to. You're intimate with who you pray to. You're intimate with who you pray for. You're intimate with who you pray with. And the key to a prayer life is intimacy. It's conversation. It's, it's not some religious dogma. It's communication with your father. And for some of us, we're like, I don't have a good relationship with my father. I can't talk to God. Some of us are like, Yeah, I can't relate to God as, as father. That great book. I give it to everyone I counsel. Experiencing the Father's embrace. Go buy it, read it, spend time in it. Help you get over the father wounds. But if you'll learn, church, if you'll learn to develop that intimacy of prayer, you're going to find that you can't get enough of it. You're going to find yourself all throughout the day. God, da 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 Father, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Whatever it is, you'll learn to pray and that's my challenge for you this morning one word pray one word pray 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 and don't stop pray without ceasing pray in the shower pray in the car pray at the restaurant pray wherever you are but pray pray I had sent Pastor Suzanne a different title for the series. I don't remember what it was. Some great spiritual title. Intercession, power of prayer, something, whatever. But as I was in my office last night, it was like I could hear the Father just shouting, Pray! 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 say it again. Pray. Pray. If you take one word away from this message this morning, let it be. Pray. Pray. Pastor Hector and Susanna are going to come and they're going to lead us in communion this morning. The elements will be distributed. But at this juncture right here, I want us to pray. If you have never given your life to Jesus this morning, you would say to me, I'm not a Christian this morning. I'm not a follower of Jesus. Or you'd say to me this morning, I definitely, I definitely don't have a relationship with God right now. I'm not in that place. If that's you this morning, I want to give you that opportunity to make that decision this morning. I'm not going to have everyone bow their head and close their eyes. This is, this is a very public decision this morning. This is the decision you're saying, I'm choosing to give Jesus lordship over my life. I'm inviting Jesus to rule in my life. If that's you this morning, you've never made that decision, or you want to rededicate your life this morning, would you raise your hand this morning? If You're watching by live stream, can't see your hand, but just raise your hand in your living room. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand? You're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm not going to belabor the point. You're going to give us just a few more seconds. If that's you, would you raise your hand this morning saying, I want to give it all to Jesus this morning? All right. Here's what we're going to do, because I don't know who's watching on live stream this morning, and I don't know who will hear this message at another time. But if you're watching on live stream this morning, and you're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus, I want you to pray with us in just a moment. Jesus came, lived as a man, died a brutal, brutal death on a cross so that you could be reconciled to the Father. So that your sin could be forgiven and you could have eternal life. This morning, church, will you pray with me as we pray a prayer of repentance? Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin and I receive your forgiveness. I can't do this without you. I want to make you Lord this morning. I yield my whole life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that your life was impacted today by the presence of God. For more information about the Equipping Church or to give online, please visit www.equippingchurch.us.